Welcome to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. I'm Rachel, and this podcast is where you'll find the space to clear your head and calm your heart. Make yourself at home. Welcome to episode 12 of the Untangling Life Podcast. I'm Rachel, and wherever you are on the planet, thanks for tuning in today. The month of September ushers in a new routine for most of us, and here in the Midwest of the United States, you can feel fall beginning to settle in the air, especially in the cool morning and evening breezes. I feel like September is a month that many people love. Autumn is on the horizon, and all things pumpkin spice are released. I tease my family and friends and tell them not to listen to the whispers of the pumpkin spice fairies, because it is still summer. The last day of summer on the calendar is September 21st. I have always loved summer. I prefer hot weather over cold. I'm a sunshine girl, but 25 years ago, I spent the summer mostly indoors for one reason. I was pregnant. And I was not only first time with child, but I was gaining weight like a freight train pregnant. Seriously, y'all, 60 pounds, but that's another story. For those of you listening in for the first time and may not know me, I was pregnant with my daughter, Taylor, who left us for heaven on January 2nd, 2019. God had chosen to bring Taylor into the world on the very last day of summer, September 21st, 1996. So September is our Taylor's birth month. The fact that she shared her birthday with the last day of summer has always seemed significant to me. It's as if her life began on the last joyous note of sunny summer and God took into account my love for summer. So he gave me additional reason to rejoice. But after Taylor was born, seasonally in our lives, fall and winter were ushered in. For a long visit, a 22-year visit, for that was the number of years that our Taylor lived with a rare neurologically degenerative disease From day one of her life, it slowly began to steal every ability she could ever gain or did gain. 22 years is a long time to walk the road of gradual loss and suffering. Matt and I as parents have had to learn how to hold joy and sorrow together in the same hand. And as people, we're on the journey of clasping this together Doing so is an emotionally mature skill that neither of us have mastered by any means. Currently, my heart is holding much happiness and grief together. And there's a tactic that I can feel the enemy trying to use in my heart. It's this thought that I must cave into the negative emotions, the sorrow of losing our precious Taylor's presence on this planet, that grief is too much to bear, and that getting out of bed is overrated. I know some of you listening in feel the same way. Maybe because you've also lost a child, or maybe because you have another set of heartbreaking circumstances, The world, society, culture, they all tell us that our personal happiness is the premium of life. We're continually influenced to think that joy and sorrow are mutually exclusive and there's no way to clasp them together, to hold them as a jumbled ball of emotion and actually embrace both. But today I want to encourage you that it is possible. In the depth of where I'm walking today, I'm sharing what I'm learning as I approach Taylor's 25th birthday being celebrated in heaven. 
This will be her third heavenly birthday, and the flood of pain surrounding my heart is very threatening. How do you live with the struggle of feeling the deep emotions of joy and sorrow at the same time? I want to share three things I've learned that help you gain the emotional maturity to allow sorrow and joy commingle in your heart. The first is that I keep an eye out for people who exemplify joy in the midst of suffering and grief, and I truly observe them. I look for the traits they have and the behaviors they exhibit, and when I see a skill or habit they have that might work for me to grow stronger, I do my best to implement it. 2 Corinthians 6 in my Bible contains the heading, Paul's Hardships. Listen for just a moment. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Did you catch the phrase sorrowful yet always rejoicing? Paul is giving us the affirmation that yes, you can be both. You can do both. There is a yet that cohesively melds these two emotions into one capability. In the last year, the Lord has given me the privilege of working closely with Carol and Jean Kent at Speak Up Ministries. Their example of living with joy and sorrow cradled together blows me away. I admire so much that Carol does not sugarcoat the living nightmare they have been required to adjust to after their only son murdered his wife's ex-husband and he was sentenced to prison. He has been in prison for 25 years. I can hardly wrap my head around that. The same number of years as my Taylor's life on earth and heaven combined. Carol and Jean openly share their heartache in the book, When I Lay My Isaac Down. And if you've never read it, I highly recommend it. But in working with Carol, I've watched her hold joy and sorrow together. The trait that I've seen in her that I long to emulate is her prayer life. Every meeting she holds, she begins in prayer. Every conference session she teaches is bathed in prayer. Every need she sees, she addresses in prayer. I've watched strength from the Lord flow through her because of her time spent taking her burdens to the Lord and trading them for his comfort, peace, and his will. So in order to follow what Paul is saying about being sorrowful yet always rejoicing, I am working to remember to pray like Carol Kent remembers to pray. And someone may be thinking, I don't have a Carol Kent I can observe firsthand. I didn't either for many years. God has only given me this beautiful opportunity to work with the Kents in the last year. Maybe there is someone you could connect with who would fill this place for you. 
Speaking of prayer, follow this thought up in prayer and ask the Lord to give you someone. You know, years ago, I prayed and asked God for a friend because I really needed one at that stage of my life. He provided one, and we are still friends today. Now, I will tell you that our friendship that exists now is in a different form than what it did back then. We actually aren't as close as we were then because parenting seasons changed and she took a job that allowed for less daytime flexibility. But my point is that God can and will answer the prayer if you need someone to observe. I will say that one simple way to observe people who are holding sorrow and joy together in the same hand is through social media. Fill your feed purposefully. One of the handles on Instagram that inspires me through their incredible ability to cling to both joy and sorrow is Hope Heals. Hope Heals, H-O-P-E-H-E-A-L-S, Hope Heals, is the Instagram handle for Catherine and Jay Wolf. Listen to the description of their approach. Disrupting the lie that joy can only be found in a pain-free life. Doesn't that statement make you want to read everything they share about life after stroke and how they keep going through pain? Another great Insta handle to follow is Nick Vujicic. Nick is a man who was born without arms and legs. And he says if God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, then he can use anyone. I really hope to meet Nick someday. But if you're looking to observe someone who allows both joy and sorrow to coexist in his heart, Nick is another fabulous one to follow. His Instagram handle is Nick, N-I-C-K-V-U-J-I-C-I-C. So that last name doesn't quite sound like how it's spelled. The first point of what I'm talking about today is observe folks who are succeeding in the difficult challenge that Paul has given us to be sorrow yet always rejoicing and watch for any of their life practices you can copy. What else can you do to gain the emotional maturity of processing sorrow and joy together? The second thing I do is fight to remember. And what do I mean by that? You know, our brain capacity, our memory, it's limited. There are things that we forget if we're not purposeful in what we want to remember. This month, our Bible reading challenge is focused on Psalm 107 in the journal. And this is the Restore Me from Hurting to Healing journal. It's a deep dive to spend an entire month in one psalm. But I've found that uncovering a psalm verse by verse and slow digestion of the chapter is enriching. This month's theme of moving from hurting to healing is extensive. And whenever I'm focused on a single chapter, I find that I will often read the chapter before and the chapter after just to gain more context. I've been doing that with Psalm 107. So I backed up to Psalm 106 and this week I was arrested by a few thoughts. Listen to Psalm 106, verse 7. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea. You see, the path of rebellion, despising God and his plan for them, began with being distracted and unfocused and unpurposeful in their worship. The next downward turn in the spiral was that they didn't remember God's provision for them. If we want to discover the emotional bandwidth to hold joy and sorrow together, then we have to be purposeful in remembering. 
when we have moments to reflect on the goodness of God, we've got to seize those moments and meditate on his goodness. One of my favorite parts of Lauren Daigle's song, I remember, is when she sings, I can't stop thinking about your goodness. Because it drives me to think about God's goodness. Write down the blessings. Use a memory jar and insert mementos and reminders of God's work in your life. You can get as creative as you want with a scrapbook or digital journal or as simple as you like with a simple list. But my point is, if you want to remember the miracles and provisions in your life, write them down. Find a way to note them. I'm going to go off a little bit here and just say that Wow, I I cannot believe how God has provided for our family in the last six months. And since my husband lost his job, I would have never dreamed that six months later he would still not have a job. And I also would have never dreamed of how God would bless and provide for us on so many ways. And I didn't have a lot of creativity at the time that I started this list, but I started a list in April of how God has provided for our family and everything that I could possibly note that just shows that his blessing is on this season and how he is caring for us. And I'm just so thankful to be able to look back over that list of the last few months because if I did not write it down, I would forget. So in my book, One More Step, I say it this way, make a memorial where God meets you miraculously. You know, the interesting part of the miracles that God has performed is that they contain both joy and sorrow. I think God wants us to remember where he brought us from and what he has brought us through. So that means the sorrow as well as the joy of being on the other side of that mess, right? The children of Israel were slaves in Egypt and that was their sorrow, but he brought them out and there was the joy. God wanted them to remember the miracles. Without the grief, there would have been no joy. They were to remember both the joy and the sorrow, the losses, the battle, the victory, all of the positive and negative of the circumstances were to be remembered so that they could count the victory. They could hold both joy and sorrow together. Psalm 106, 8 through 11, continuing in Psalm 106, it says it this way. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe. From the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. There it is again. They soon forgot. That's why I don't want to forget the long journey of 22 years that my girl walked on this earth. I can't soon forget the pain because while our current season may not include that depth of pain and suffering, there are others, so many others who are suffering and I don't ever want to forget it. I want you to know that you don't have to wait until the pain is over to embrace the joy. If I hadn't worked to find the joy amidst the suffering, I would have been waiting 22 years to find the joy. There are pockets of wonder in God's promises and praises to be made over remembering 
where God has brought our family from, and what he has brought us through. So let me encourage you today, do whatever it takes to remember God's promises, the sorrows he's brought you through, and the joy you've experienced. Remember his miracles, and don't forget his hand on your life, and how much he loves you. And don't miss the latter half of verse 13. They did not wait for his plan to unfold. Some of you are in a waiting season right now, and it's very tempting to rush ahead. I want to just pause for a minute and tell you to be sure to go back and listen to episode one of this podcast, Little Knot Here. It's about waiting on God, and I know you'll find it encouraging. So let's recap where we are. Our focus in this episode is about learning to process mixed emotions of grief and joy at the same time. And I've mentioned how I observe others who are going through difficult circumstances yet they balance joy and sorrow together and then work to follow what I see at work in their lives in the example of Carol and how she prays. Then we talked about the importance of fighting to remember where God has brought you from and what he has brought you through. That whole fight to remember, I think it's so important to remember both the sorrow and the joy. There's one last principle I want to share with you on this journey of learning how to clasp heartache and rejoicing together. Since it is my Taylor's birth month and the idea of cupping joy and sorrow together is pressing on my soul, I wanted to share with you the words I penned just two weeks after she left us for heaven in January 2019. My sweet girl, I woke up this morning with you on my mind. The highs and lows of sorrow and joy mingling through this week have left me weary. I initially began writing these letters when you could hear me read them to you. And now I find myself asking the Lord how much folks in heaven can see and hear what is happening on earth. Does he allow them to have influence on people and events? Earlier this week, I wanted to check to see if the funeral home had followed through on placing your temporary sign at the cemetery. As soon as I dropped the younger girls off at school and made a quick stop at the store, I drove to your old body's resting place. I anticipated experiencing a bit of relief upon seeing the sign on your grave. I guess I thought it would bring the pleasure of knowing something was accomplished since the permanent stone won't be set until spring when the foundation can be poured. I had no clue that simply seeing the marker would cause me to break down sobbing and weeping over the steering wheel. Oh, Taylor, I miss you. I don't miss the suffering your body endured. I don't miss the slow loss of mind you experienced. I'm happy, I'm so happy that you are healed in heaven and no longer bound by a diseased body. You're free and whole, and this is a beautiful, wonderful thing. But I surely miss the closeness of your spirit that having a body on earth brings. Earlier today, I was thinking about how important it is that God sent Jesus to be God in the flesh. We needed Jesus to have skin on so that we could truly relate to him. Without a human body, we have we would have never comprehended the sacrifice of God in the Spirit. As I stared at the mound of dirt piled over your old body, the Ecclesiastes verse echoed, The dust returns to the ground from which it came, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. I am so glad you are with Jesus and happy and in a perfect body, but the emotions over the journey you traveled to get there are still raw. I think it will be that way for a long time. In the meantime, our family is walking out the journey of grief. I've learned so much so far, and we've only begun. Grief when your grandma went to heaven was difficult, 
but I hadn't lived with her for years when she graduated. Though I miss mom, there's no comparison to losing you. You can tell her I said that if she doesn't know, she'll get tickled about it. This I know. Your purpose on this planet is not over, and your stories to be heard and shared to let folks know that heaven is real and Jesus loves everyone. One of the most practical ways we can continue to fulfill that purpose is to be good stewards of the supplies and equipment God provided to us for you. We started by contacting Regan's mom and dad and asking them about their needs for her. They made it over this week to talk and check out the things you used. It was a huge blessing to be able to give them what was yours that we no longer need. And it brought a ton of joy to my heart. This is what we must do more of. I couldn't help but think you were looking down and smiling. I love you so much. Your mommy. And now, friends, this is the final principle I wanted to share with you. I know it doesn't seem like it in the moment, and it takes work to discover the truth. But the principle is this. Sorrow doesn't limit joy. Sorrow expands the opportunity for joy. You see, I came back to visit this letter because not only is it my Taylor's birth month, but the very friend I mentioned in this letter from 2019, our little friend Reagan, was called home to Jesus last month unexpectedly. So the sorrow overwhelms my soul as I'm sharing this with you. Often the height of your joy is fueled by the depth of your sorrowful experiences. And that, my friends, is today's thread of hope. Each episode of Untangling Life concludes with a segment called On My Desk. This week on my desk, I have the resources I've mentioned in this podcast, and you'll find them in the show notes. First up, the Restore Me from Hurting to Healing Bible Reading Journal. Take 31 days to embrace God's healing hand on your heart. You can purchase the digital download to print at home or mark up on your device, and you can also purchase the paperback. Secondly, one more step, a book to help you find strength in the hard spaces of life. And also on my desk this week, though not mentioned in this podcast episode, my large print purple leather NIV Bible, and coming soon, 31 Days of Prayers for the Heart. This is a brand new product that I can't wait to share in more detail. I will have the launch date soon, but you can survey the product and sign up to know when the pre-order launches. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to subscribe. For show notes and free resources, visit rachelwojo.com. See you again soon. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.